0: In today's show, we're talking about auction drafts, the tips, the tricks, what do they mean, why should you do them, all that stuff, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Bball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more odds, props, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. And available on all platforms. Earlier this week, I did a video about snake drafts and tips and tricks and ways that you can go ahead and get an advantage. And today, we're going to talk about auction drafts, which are a very low proportion, that's the word, a low proportion of drafts, as simple as that. People always ask me, hey, you should do more stuff on auction drafts. And I try to talk about them as much as I can, but it's such a low amount. It is a low amount of people that play them. More people should. I think absolutely it is the best way to draft, but the problem with talking about them is part of the problem with focusing exclusively on points leagues is because it's so different. When you talk points leagues and focusing on those, the structure of a league varies depending on how the commission set up the point scoring system. You use default or something different, and it wildly changes things. In an auction, I can talk about, well, yeah, this guy should be picked 50 or we look at this guy as a ninth-round player, standard snake draft, which is, again, 90% of fantasy players using that format. But I could say this guy is a $30 auction player, but the values in auction, as soon as someone goes off the board, as soon as someone gets bid, if someone goes for $10 less than what they should, well, then the relative prices of everybody else changes. And it makes it really hard to refer to a player as a certain amount of price. And as soon as you move from a 12-team league into a 10-team league or a 14-team league, or you go from 13-player roster to a 15-player roster. In a snake draft, if you go from 12-to-14-team league, the player, where they get picked, whether it's 50-to-60, stays the same. If you move from a 12-to-14-team league, the player's value might go from 20 bucks to 30 bucks. It wildly changes. So that's why when I'm referencing those guys, I don't reference their um, auction values because one little tweak to your settings throws everything all over the place, which is why auction drafts can be harder for people to get their head around and also why they can be more rewarding if you do get your head around what's actually going on in that sort of format of a draft. So I guess that begs us the question. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) Well, it doesn't beg us that question. (laughs) It begs us the question of, I didn't flick it over, is an auction actually an upgrade over a snake draft? Yes, it is. It is a much better format. You've got Snake Draft as your base draft, third round reversal Snake Draft as probably your next step up in terms of fairness, and then an auction slash salary cap draft, but don't get that confused with a real salary cap league. They're different things. That's why I'm, I am referring to them as auction, so you don't get confused with the salary cap slash real salary cap terminology. But if you are going on Yahoo or ESPN and setting up a league, it is called a salary cap league. So that is what we're talking about here. A salary cap league, an auction league, it's fairer. Every single player at the start of a draft has the opportunity to acquire any player they want. Now, once a couple of players start going off the board, that opportunity that you have decreases. But if you're in a snake draft and you have pick six, you cannot get Big Chungus. You can't, you're can't. you not, not going to get him unless your league is filled with people who have never seen the game of basketball. Or that bloke that was talking somewhere and said that he wasn't a top 15 player in the NBA. Which was laughable. Anyway, um, in an auction format, you can get him. You've got to pay up. you got to bid the right amount. But you can get him. And it might be to the detriment of your squad if you go too high. But if you want Nikola Jokic, you can get him. That's fairness. That's you know the market. That's capitalism, I guess. You want him, you pay for him. That, that's simple as that. It doesn't matter if you're the 12th team nominating. It doesn't matter... If you're the first team nominating, if you want Jokic or to that extension, Harden or Steph or Doncic or Giannis or Scotty Barnes or RJ Barrett, if you want them, you can get them with proper planning. So it's fairness. If you want to take two people who get nominated in a row, you can. In a snake draft, if you pick at pick five, then you have to wait 12 picks or so until it gets a background to you. It's not really 12, but you know you know what I mean. You have to wait for that to get back around to you, and you miss out on all those guys. You don't have that opportunity. It is fairer. Simple as that. Is it more fun? Almost definitely. Is it more stressful? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Is it more difficult? Yes. Yes, it is. But the funness of it, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, I think it's, it's really hard to argue that it's not like better in that in that sense because you're going in there. You're, we're going to talk about how it actually works soon, but the fun factor, the best draft you can ever do from a fantasy perspective is an in-person auction. Get your mates together, hire out a room, come to someone's house in the lounge room, get an auctioneer in there, get someone to fill that role. Do an in-person auction, literally the best draft you'll ever have, right? Guarantee you that. It's more fun. The ups and downs, the petty rivalries of bidding, like, when you go back and forth, you try and bluff them. It is it is the most fun type of draft. So, they're, they're two obvious upgrades in an auction draft. But they take a long time. I am probably going to do an auction mock draft. I, no, 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 let's rephrase. I am definitely doing auction mock drafts. When, I don't know. But I am doing them. They take longer. You can smash out a snake draft, and we did that points league snake draft the other day. We got it done in 55 minutes. You're setting aside at least an hour and a half for an auction, maybe two hours. I did a football auction the other day. I went for like three hours. It's a long time, man. If you do a deep league, it's a four-hour process sometimes. Not everyone's got that time. Not everyone wants to give that time. Yeah, so that can be a, a detriment, depending on what your league mates want or how they view fantasy. They might say, I don't have two hours for this nonsense. What is this? But it is is—it is more fun. It is fairer, but it takes a lot longer. Experience is important. If you are heading into a league for your first time ever, and they're like, yeah, come join our league, guys. Yeah, come, come in here. Um, I know it's your first time. We're doing an auction. You're in real trouble. It is really, I won't say it's unfair in that. I say it's fair Fairness is a big thing, but if you're a bunch of experienced people against someone who's never played, well, they're going to get cooked. It is really, really tough to get into an auction for the first time, especially if it's your first time playing fantasy. I would not recommend doing an auction draft if it's your first season playing fantasy basketball because you need some experience to value the players and also just to play in some leagues to understand how fantasy works and get a feel for it rather than like jumping straight in because it's bloody hard in an auction to get everything sorted and you will get cooked. In a snake draft, there's an inherent um, safety flaw of the value because you're sitting at it, you're getting a pick each round and you've got a list of rankings. If you're on ESPN, then you're in real trouble because if you're following those rankings, you're going to lose. But on Yahoo, they, they're, they're okay. You can look at guys, and you just take a guy at the top, and you'll be all right. In an auction, you, you'll get wrecked. Like if you don't have that knowledge or understanding, you will get cooked. So be really careful if you are jumping in for the first time that you don't go, all right. Auctions are the best. I'll do that straight up. It probably, it probably, unless you're a genius or an absolute savant, they're pretty similar things. You're gonna be in real trouble, I think, jumping into an auction first time out, but. If you want to look at other sports, football, for example, which I think I said yesterday that I think the Bills would win. They did. We're talking Online, the number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including all of the opening week games. Online is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. What do you reckon about my Miami Dolphins playing this week against the Patriots, are they? I believe they are. Yeah, they are. What am I talking about? I know they are. They are three and a half point favorites, the Dolphins. The big tag of Iloa opportunity. BetOnline's got those odds at minus three and a half for the Dolphins. I'm not sure I feel that confident in us, but maybe we are. Maybe we are going to win. I don't know. But if I want to have a look at it and look at all the odds and info, BetOnline has it. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. But online is where the game starts. So, how does, a, how does an auction work? You're given a budget. What that budget is, is usually $200. That's how sites default. doesn't have to be. You can, you can make it $300. You can make it $1,000. You can make it $50. Bucks. That would make it pretty rough. But it you can change that number. $200 is the... Generally agreed upon default. I have seen a few go to three hundred. I don't see many that change from there. Most of them don't allow decimals, so it's all single dollar numbers. So that's why if you had a budget of fifty, it would get quite difficult to try and figure out that value. Might be interesting to see how a draft goes with a budget of fifty bucks to see you know who's bidding what because then the value of a one dollar player in a two hundred dollar league is you know obviously. So 5% of the, the budget, a $1 player in a 50, is that, no that, that number wasn't right, it's 0.5%, $1 out of $200 is 0.5%, $1 out of 50 is 2%, it's four times as valuable, yet it's still costing a dollar, so those bent, everything changes the value, that's what I mean when I talk about auctions, it changes the value a lot, so you get a, a budget, you got your roster spots, your 13 roster spots, you've got 200 bucks. That's your default. And you've got to work out how do I fill out these 13 roster spots with $200 or $300 or $250 or $100 or whatever. And then you go out there and you look at the players and you try to assign value based on what that budget is. So you've got your money, you've got your roster spots. Someone nominates. They go out there and they look at the top they look, they get a player, and they say, first player up is Kevin Durant. You go, okay, I got my $200. Kevin Durant, it's got the number at the top of the screen on Yahoo saying that his projected value is 64 or whatever it is. Um, his uh, average value is 42 What Actually, I'll give you the exact number. What does Yahoo have Durant projected as? A $60 player. And you got uh, $60. Okay, he's out there. You nominate a player. Everyone has an opportunity. I bid a dollar. I nominated Durant. I can start with bidding a dollar or I can throw $10 on straight away. And then you just go back and forward with a timer that counts down. 10 seconds, yeah? 10, 9, 8. All right, I'll throw an extra dollar on. 10, 9, 8. I'll throw an extra dollar on. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Oh, three more dollars. And you go up until that timer runs down. Going, going, or going once, going twice. There you go. You got your player. Whatever that stupid voiceover says in those, uh, you, you wanted him, you got him. Whatever that voice says on those auction rooms. So that's how you nominate. And then I say you bid. You throw those dollars out there. And we're going to talk about bidding strategies in a second. But you want a player, you put money out there. In one dollar increments, you can go. If the guy's sitting at ten dollars and someone goes to eleven, you go screw this. This is a forty dollar player. Bang! You just throw forty bucks on him and just speed things along, which I do quite a bit. I don't want to sit while well, the people bid up one, two, three, four, and we know it's going to hit twenty or thirty or forty. I'll try and hit hit a bid up there. Um, if someone's an average player at thirty bucks, I'll just throw twenty on them straight away. Like, oh, let's just get this stuff rolling. We don't need to wait. I'm not going to slide him through for two bucks of a thirty dollar player. Unless we're in a situation where everyone's spent their money and there are $30 players left, then I'll, then I'll slide them through for a, a smaller amount. So that's the general process. You've got your budget, you nominate a player, you and everyone else bids on a player, the time runs down, you get the player, someone else gets the player. Every time a bid gets in, the bid clock resets, that's why it takes longer. It's not like there's 30 seconds and it counts down, you've got to try and get your bids in. Every time you throw a bid in there, the auction clock resets to about 10 seconds. But you can change that number as well in in your settings. What's your initial bid time? What's your bid reset time? And you can speed it up. Mate, hey, make it five seconds on a bid reset. You can change that if you want to say a bid goes in. You don't have 10 seconds to think about it. You got five. Are you in? You're out. That is how it works. Basic stuff, I think. What do you need to know before heading in? Apart from how it works. We need to know what your league is. Is it a redraft league or a dynasty league? If it's a dynasty league, and a lot of dynasty leagues that use auction drafts, they will often include salaries and contracts. Meaning that the price that you pay for a player in an auction draft has an impact in future seasons. So if I spend $10 on Bones Highland, he will cost me $10 out of my salary cap next season. Or leagues will have an inflation. If you Whatever guy you keep, there's 10% added on. So Bones will now cost me $11 out of my budget next season. Or sometimes there's a flat $5 fee increase. I drafted Bones for 10 knowing I can keep him forever, but every year he's going to go up $5. So the next year he's 15 the next year he's 20 So all of that has to factor into your bidding process. If it's redraft, well, we know we're keeping them for one season. right? And then that takes us on to the next step. How many teams? It's a vital question. In a snake draft, it's not as big of a question. 12 teams or 14 teams, it's not as big of a deal. In an auction draft, it's a massive, massive deal and this is why. It might not seem like it, but this is why. If you've got 12 teams in there, everyone's got $200. That means there are $2,400 available to be bid on for the 156 players that are going to be drafted. 156 players are going to be drafted. In a 14-team league, even if you keep the rosters, like some people will play, okay, we're playing 14. Instead of having 13-man rosters, we'll have 12-man rosters, so we keep the waiver wire a bit fresh. All right, so even if you do that and keep the roster rule players at around 160, the two new teams add $200 each into the budget. So instead of having $2,400 in the total pool of, of money to be spent on players, you now have $2,800. So, that money is now extra in there. So, the prices of players will go up. The prices of your high-end guys, your Durant might project at 60. In a 14-team league, he might project at 67 or 68. You play a 20-man league and instead of $2,400, you have $4,000 in there. And maybe you're filling out 200 roster spots. But it's a lot more money. And auctions usually... The money goes to the pointy end. It goes to the top end. So the general rule is the more teams you have, the higher the price of the players in the first 50 go. It's important to note that. It's not as simple as, well, the price will stay the same because we've got new teams and there's more players rostered. It doesn't work that way. Even if you keep the 13-man roster with 14 players, which is like 180 guys rostered, that extra $400 that gets added in, will get added onto the top players. So the prices of Jokic and Giannis and and Doncic and Steph and Harden and Towns and Trey, all those guys, their price goes up. Every time you add a new team, the price goes up. The price you're going to have to spend for the top-end players goes up. That is just how it's going to work. And the value of those guys, part of it is is people like getting those players, so they're going to spend more because there's more money around. But also... The reason is is that in a deeper league, the value that those guys provide becomes more scarce because you're including more bad players in your draftable pool. So the players who are good, their actual value, their relative value, their standard score, their Z score improves because a Z score is just including your number minus the average divided by the standard deviation. The more bad players you enter in, the average drops. Therefore, that number, the difference between your number and the average increases, so the overall value of a player increases, therefore their price rises and there's more money to spend, so it rises again. So understanding how many teams and how that impacts is important. What about your roster size? Again, it's important. If you play a 12-team league and there's 13 roster spots versus a 12-team league with 10 roster spots versus a 12-team league with 16 roster spots, well, that changes the calculus, doesn't it? Because Again, we haven't changed the number of teams that are around. What we've done there is kept the budget the same, but changed the amount of players we have to spend it on. So 2,400 in total on 156 players or on 120 players or on 200 players. Meaning the values, if you have a larger roster size, then you spend less money on guys. The prices drop. The other factor with that is, what about your active Active roster spots versus bench. Why is that important? Well, the bigger your bench, the more your bench becomes a stash zone and the the less you use it. So if I'm in a 12-team league and it's 10 active roster spots and three bench, the standard, then I've got my prices of guys. If I'm in a 12-team league with 13 roster spots, but we start six guys and have seven bench, then the prices of all of those starters rise. Because these bench guys, I'm just not going to use them. There's no point me spending $10, $15 on my 10th player in a league like that because they will play 10% of the games during the season, usually. Like they just won't play as much. And you're wasting time. So you're overinflating the value of the top-end guys. But unless you know that, you wouldn't think there'd be a difference Yes, some of you would be going, that's obvious, Josh, but not for everybody. So, the more bench spots you have, the more the top-end guys inflate. The more active spots you have, the more the top-end guys deflate. Roster size, active versus bench, league size, these are all things that impact how the money gets distributed and how the value should throw out there. Now... I do. We do project all this stuff over on Basketball Monster and we have auction settings, which I probably should bring up now. One of the most important things to note is, and one that influences, the people will come in and they'll just go, well, you've got your auction there, Josh, on Basketball Monster, but why are the top-end guys so low? Why are the prices not matching up? Because the way that we base it initially is you go in there, there's your pool of players and we say, these are the, this is the value that these guys provide based on the, the league. But the way auction drafts run is that they don't value everyone the same because there will be usually 30 to 40 players who go for $1. And in general, there's probably only 10 ten players who should go for $1. There'll be plenty of guys towards the back end of an auction that go for $1. People devalue them. So you, there is a setting on Basketball Monster that you have to have, to have a look at. And we've got this on the settings thing, auction settings. So you go, okay, budget per team which you can see there. We'll get to that strategies section in a second. Incorrectly brought that up. Budget per team, 200. And then it's total $1 players for the entire league. Now that says recommended 36. That recommended number changes. What I recommend doing for this is that however many teams you've got in your league, 12 is the default, times that by how many bench spots each team has, Three is the default. So therefore, the general assumption should be that there'll be 36 players that go for a dollar. That's how I'd look at it. My bench guys should cost about a dollar. Now, if you're not, you know, your league is hyper aggressive and there's going to be four or five guys who go really high into stars and scrubs, which is that strategy you can see listed there, then you might bump that to 45 because there'll be players who go, we've got four players and then we fill out nine $1 guys in our roster. And there might be five of those guys in your league. So you might do $51 players. And what that does is that boosts the top-end value of those players again and reduces the bottom-end, guys. But you've got to have an understanding of how your league looks at things. But a general rule of thumb should be that we're going to do bench spots is the number of $1 players. I hope that makes sense. So what are the strategies? There's two major strategies. Stars and scrubs and balanced. I do have them listed in the order of stars and scrubs and balanced, but I'm going to talk balanced first. Balanced is the strategy that I find is the most um, most useful. It's the best strategy. But, but, it depends. What a balanced strategy is, okay, the way I'd, I'd like to explain it is look at the Lakers roster last season. They went stars and scrubs. One of their stars was terrible, but it was Davis and LeBron and a bunch of minimum players that we hoped could fit in. They didn't fit in. We don't have chemistry issues to worry about in fantasy. But when one of the stars went down, you are cooked. You are done. You are finished. LeBron went down. Davis went down. No chance. No chance. A Toronto team, a Memphis team, they sort of abided by the balance strategy. We have, the Clippers are going to do it this year. Although they have some stars as well. But a lot of depth. 10, 12 rotation caliber pl- players. Although well, the Raptors maybe not a great example because of the way Nurse ran the rotation, but 12 rotation guys that we can throw in there. If someone gets hurt, someone can step up. Balanced is the way that I think wins a league in a lot of cases, because I know that everyone who's going to be watching this and most people uh, who play auctions, a lot of them, the the. Uh, Experienced guys will will agree with that, I think. But the problem is, if you're in a league with all of those players playing a balanced strategy, it doesn't work as well. So you've got to read your draft room. So the best way to do it is see what happens at the start of a draft. If the guys like Durant or Jokic, who's a $61 player on Yahoo, and Giannis is 52, if Jokic gets bitted up first and he goes for 75, you go, all right, let's go. That's 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 it. Giannis up next, 70. Okay. Money's off the board. People are going high for the big names. Especially if you see someone go, I'm going to take Giannis and Jokic. It's cost me 150 bucks out of my $200 budget. I'm going to fill 11 roster spots with 50 bucks. You go, okay, we're in pretty good shape here. We can go the more balanced route. You don't have to. To win an auction league, you do not have to have a top 20 player. You don't have to have a top 25 player. But if you don't, you need to have 11 top 70 players. 12 top 80 players. Meaning that if one of those guys gets hurt, you've got the replacement on your roster already. And the difference between that player and the waiver wire guy is not as high as if you lose Anthony Davis, well, or, or you lose Steph or you lose Doncic, knock on wood. We don't want these guys to get hurt. But if you lose Doncic and you have to replace him with Frank Nilakina, right, that discrepancy is gigantic. And your roster's already filled with 10 other Frank Nilakinas because you didn't have money to spend on anybody else. But if everyone is looking at Jokic and sees that projected $61 and Jokic gets bid up and he's thrown out there first and he goes for 57 you go, oh, okay. People are saving their money. The next guy is out there is Luka and he's projected is 50 and he goes for 50 You go, oh, because he's normally... I'm pretty sure if I put... That's his projected number. I'm just going to have a look. I'm pretty sure if I put in what his average um Yahoo dollar amount is, Lucas, it's going to be like 60 something <clears throat> into my little sheet here. Yeah, 62. Okay, like even you can see like that you know Jokic is projected 61 on Yahoo, but his average is 71. So the majority of people are going stars and scrubs. But when you see them start to fall under that average and more importantly under the projected value you go oh there's a lot of people doing balanced so I might be able to sneak a guy in like if I can get Jokic at 59 I do it whereas if I'm going balanced and I know everyone's going to pay up for the big names I'll leave all those guys slide and then I'll come in save my money for the first 30 picks I might not have selected a single player but then I come in and go, I'll have Siakam, I'll have Holiday, I'll have Beal, I'll have Morant, I'll have Middleton, I'll have Rogier, I'll have Jared Allen, I'll have Darren Fox, I'll have Barnes, I'll have Valentunas, I'll have Vassell, and there's 10 guys in the top 60, and I've spent 140 bucks, because they will all tend to go undervalued. And you can see that even in the Yahoo valuations. Like, Scotty Barnes is projected at 23 his price is going at 18 Jared Allen's projected at 23 his price is 18 Terry Rogier is projected at 18. His average price is 11. They they, they don't go high. The higher end guys, Towns is projected at 55. He's going at 64. Young is, uh, Trey Young, 57. He's going at 65. They're all going higher. That means if that money's going somewhere else, it's got to come off other spots. And that's in the balanced. But it's about adjusting. It's about seeing how people are doing it. If they're all going hard on the big names early, you're sweet. You go for those mid-range guys. You snag 10 top 70 players and you sit back and you laugh. Balanced also works significantly better if your league is anywhere bigger than 156 rostered players if you or more than 12 teams. You go into 14-team leagues, you go into 16-team leagues, the balanced strategy kills it because people will start in a 15, 16-team league. I don't know why I said 15, 16-team league. They'll pay 80 bucks for Jokic. I've got to get him. There's not, you know, there's 20 teams out here and there's not enough good players to go around. I've got to spend that money up. Whereas then you can come in and go, I'll grab 10 top 50 guys, get them all cheap, and I dominate everyone. Because Jokic and Scrub in 20-team league, the Scrub is Ken Birch. Like it's not good. Whereas you're in there with all of these top 60 players who can just easily put up those numbers and provide that value. So they're the two different things. Stars and Scrubs—it's getting a couple of top-end guys and filling it in with dollar players and back-end guys. Balanced is generally avoiding the top 20, top 25. Again, always looking to see where value appears. You don't just avoid them immediately, but if Harden is valued to you at 50 bucks and he's sitting there at 40, you get him. Snagging that 10 bucks of value is super important. Balanced is trying to get as much value as you can. Let's talk about bidding, bidding wars. It can be a problem in leagues. You want a guy, and someone else wants a guy. We both want Rudy Gobert. I'll throw 20 on him. You go 21. Well, 22, 23. My limit's 30 here. So keep going back and forth. Guess to 29. I go, all right, 30. Then he goes 31. You go, oh, man, I really need these blocks. 32. And he goes 33. You go, okay, well, this is getting too much. 34. 35. Do I go 36? And this is where the strategy comes in. If you did what I did in my earlier example and got James Harden $10 under projection or under what you valued him at, you've got $10 to play around with. So if Gobert's blocks make sense to you, now Gobert and Harden's a bad combination to put together because of the free throw issue, but that's fine, whatever. If you've got that extra 10 bucks that you've saved up, go a little bit higher if you want, but just be careful. Be careful with bidding up with guys that you don't want. I can see that this guy wants Scott Barnes. I'll bid him up. I don't want him. He doesn't fit my build, but I know that that guy's a Raptors fan. So he puts 40, 41. He puts 42, 43. But what if he gets stuck? It is a risk. So I would only bid up if I have an interest in a player and I would try and pull back a little bit because the worst thing is getting stuck with a player that you don't want that you've also paid too much for. It is a legitimate strategy to try and force someone into that, and that's where auction gets fun. Because I don't, maybe that guy doesn't want him. Maybe he's trying to coax me into thinking that he wants him so that I bid up and get stuck with him. So it is a very risky thing bidding up a player that you don't want, that you're paying too much for, and getting stuck with. It's a very risky proposition. Two other ways you can do bidding is time winding or quick bidding. Now, again, it's psychology part of this. If, well, let's use a Barnes example, 30 bucks. And I go, I, I, yeah, he put 30 on straight away. I hit the bid 31. So what does the other guy think? Whew, man, he's, he's willing to go really high on Barnes here. He goes 32 bank 33. You go, Wow. Okay. Your immediate reaction is, okay, well, he's got cash to spare and he wants Barnes. So do you use that to sucker that other guy to bid him up and let him get stuck with him? Do you hope that that quick bidding will make the other person go, well, there's no point. He's just gonna take him anyway. I'll back off and save my money. Or the other way you do it is time winding. Scotty Barnes, 30 bucks, and you go, okay, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, yeah? Five, four, three, two, or a bid. All right, one. Oh, you got me. Then the other guy goes, All right, oh, he's on his limit. He's on his limit. Has he got more money to spend? He really had to double-check that one. And then the next one goes, five, four, three to, oh, all right, all right, I'll do it. But that, again, can be used as a bluff. You might have more intention of going 10 bucks higher, but you're trying to get the other guy to think that you're really close to giving up as a way to sucker them into more or to drop out or to whatever, right? There are multiple ways to do it. And you don't want to always be the fast bid You don't want to be always the fast bid on guys that you want because people will catch on. You don't always want to be the slow bid on situations where you've got no more money to go on a player. You've got to mix it up and keep people guessing so they don't know what your strategy is. Otherwise, you will get wrecked. You will get stuck with a player you don't want. You will end up paying too much for someone that you do want because they know and they're just bidding you up. You've got to mix those strategies up. There is no one right way to do it. The right way to do it is to do them differently, is to mix them up at the end of an auction draft, it basically turns into a snake draft. Once everyone has spent their money, you are left with enough to fill your roster out with $1 per player. So it just turns into a snake. So those guys that you hope are your $1 bargain players, when someone throws them out for $1, you can't bid on them. So that's why, again, I think holding onto some money, because again, if you do back to that balance of the stars and scrubs, if you're into stars and scrubs and you've spent 150 bucks in the first 10 nominations on two guys any player that comes up then as soon as the bid goes over $6, you're out. You can't grab that player. Even if it's a $15 player and he goes for 7 you cannot grab that guy. And it really hamstrings what you can do. That's why I like the balance. Again, it keeps you money. You get more flexibility. You might see everyone's got four players and $40 left, and you've got one player with $190 left. You can come over the top and bid for guys. Even when you get down to the end, if you're left with $10 left, and three players left, it's a much better situation than being left with $3 for three players. Because if there's someone you want and they get nominated for a dollar, you go, I'll have them for two and nobody else will have that money. That's the few. That's what you hope you get. You've got that ability to throw. Because if, if this player is a $1 player and you spend $3 on him, who cares? Because you got him. It doesn't matter that you spent two extra dollars. But you bid over the top of that guy. So if you get to yourself in that situation where you can have that little bit of extra money at the end, to bid over the top of guys that you want for a dollar, that's a way to go about it. Money left over. People think it's the ultimate sin in an auction draft to have tons of money left over. And while it isn't great to have huge amounts of money left over, if you exit a draft with $4, who cares? If you exit it with $30, then you've screwed up. I think anywhere under $10 left is okay. Because all you can do is on your last guy, you can throw all that money out there anyway. That doesn't look so bad. It doesn't actually matter if you spend 195 or 200 You want to try and maximize it as much as possible. But if you've got all the players and you got them at value, that's what matters really. Um, planning. You've got to plan. You know your budget. But you've got to budget what you want. Look at the projected value on Yahoo. Look at the average value these players are going for. Look at how it adjusts based on your league setting. What I like to do is run a tally of what I am doing. Right. I think that this player... Let's go to my list. Well, we had Rogier before. If I can just find Terry again because he seems to be really cheaply priced. He was at $11 average value on Yahoo. Can't even find him anymore. Come on, Tez, where are you? Um, scintillating fantasy value here. Um, Okay, so Rogier, I've got Rogier projected in a standard league as about a $22 player. Yahoo's average is $11. Right, I can construct a team with, you know, lots of value. And if you can get, based on your own valuation of players, $250 of value in a $200 budget, you've done well. So I look at at Rogier here. I look at his projected number at 18. I look at his average number at 11. And I make my budget and I go, I can probably get Rogier for $18. Let's use that Yahoo number, even though I've got him worth four more. I can get him for 18. If I come in and get him at 13... Well, then I've got five extra dollars from my initial budget that's sitting there. I can use that $5 then to go above and beyond on somebody else that I want. And still, I've maintained value on Rogier because I've got him as a $22 player. I got him at $15. That's $7 of extra value. And I've saved myself some money on what I was planning to spend. So I've got a little plus minus tally. Am I above or below what I plan to spend? Because I'll generally try and build out a squad. Who are all the undervalued guys? I'm not going to look at Rogier and go, I will get him for $11. i am not going to look at Lowry Mark and say, I will get him for $1, his current average price. This is not realistic. I think Markenden's a $16 guy, and he's going for $1. But let's see, I, I budget it at $12, and I build my team with $200 based on that value, and then see what the actual average price and projected price is, and see where I can sneak some value. Um... And then the the idea, oh, sorry, I build the $200 based on where I think they will go using projected and average on Yahoo. And hopefully that leads to my team providing value in my own valuation of $250 to $300 using a $200 budget. That's what I'm, if you can get to $300 worth of value using a $200 budget, you're going to do really well. But it's about finding those right guys where the value is. It's a rogier. You get him for 11 bucks. He's a $22 player. It's a massive, It's massive, right? You spent $11 on him. Great. You've got extra value on him. You get marketing at that cheap price. You get Jakob Pertle, who's got an average price of $7 on Yahoo. He's probably a $15 player, maybe a $20 player in a punt free throw. And that's the other thing with the auctions. You can change the value of players by punting categories and getting just tremendous numbers on them. Um, Keldon Johnson's a three dollar player average on Yahoo. He's up his projection's up to fourteen, which is right in line with where I think he should be, but he's been going at three. So if you can get him at ten, you've saved some money. You've gone above the average, but you've saved some money. Jamal Murray's like a twelve dollar player. He's going at seven. There's a number of these guys around. Buddy Hield's going at $3. Average price. But again, that might change because every auction is different. And if you start seeing the top end guys going way cheaper, then once we get down to these Buddy heels and these uh, Gordon Haywoods who's going for $2, there's going to be more money left so that $2 is going to become $5 or become $8 or become $10. And that might really screw your plan up. Do lots of mocks. See how it goes. But be aware that when you do mocks versus when you go into your real draft, it's going to change. You just have to have an understanding of how to adjust what the actual real value you have of the player is, what their expected value is, and if they go above or below that, how you make that change and how you make that adjustment. They're really hard to do. They're incredibly hard to do when you're trying to talk about them on a video because you've got to value every single... You can't like switch off for five, six picks. You've got to be there for every player. And even if you go, I don't want this guy, but he's going 20 bucks cheaper. Let me get him. I can work with this. I can change my build. I just saved $20 of value that I can now spend in other areas and I can make an upgrade whereas I might have wanted Jordan Poole and I would have to spend $10 to get him. Maybe I can get someone for $20 who does similar things An upgrade in that area. It is a tough thing to do, an auction draft. There is no doubt about that. They are the most rewarding. They are the most fun and with the amount of the right planning, with understanding your league, if that's possible, you can really get away and have a dominating team. Absolutely dominating. But if everyone's do using your same strategy, you have to pivot, you have to move away from it. If everyone's going stars and scrubs, you go balanced, you win. If everyone's going balanced, maybe stars and scrubs works, because that means you get the stars at a much cheaper price. More commensurate with their actual value. The other reason for balance over stars and scrubs is that injuries get lessened, schedule quirks get reduced as well that you're not relying upon your two guys. And if you're in a week where one of them rests or sits out a game or has a bad playoff schedule, you're not as wrecked because you've got 10 guys who are about similar value that can just slide in and you use the right player at the right situation. I hope that that helped. It's a really hard concept at times to get across and the strategies vary and I can give you strategies all now but it's like, yeah, the Mike Tyson quote that everyone has a plan to they get punched in the face. You go in there and a player goes for a price you didn't expect. You go, holy shit, like what do I do now? Again, we have this on our draft tracker where you can track money, you can track value and value changes depending on how much money is left in the draft room, all of that stuff. And using our, our number of $1 players, you can adjust that to see if players are going hard on top end guys or softer on them to work out how the value is going to sit. Follow me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.